Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I am Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamond. And this is Talkart. Welcome to Talkart. How are you today, Robert? Today, Russell, I am feeling like I'm healing and I'm in a healing space. Oof. Yeah, because today's guest has this idea of a potion. And it, it's very um, atmospheric in a way and kind of magical and dreamlike and maybe fantasy, kind of like a science fiction or um, or even like a cartoon when you're growing up mm. or a computer game, perhaps. Mm. Today, we are meeting the most extraordinary artist from Marseille. And um, she's very inspired by music. And we're here with BMW. And uh, last week, uh, Freeze Week was upon us. Oh, and it was the it's best... incredible, special yeah. week. You know why? Because it was 20 years of Freeze. Oh, really? Um, yeah, Freeze in London. Yeah, and I went to Coco and saw Loyal Carna for Freeze Music, which was, as ever, epic. But I do actually think it was probably the greatest one they've done so far. And interestingly, there's a kind of synergy with Freeze Music with today's guest because their work was actually shown in the house of Coco, which is just behind the music venue Coco, where Loyal Carna did his concert. And um, also on a huge video screen, looking out onto Camden High Street, which is like our old stomping ground when we were kids. And um, so also there's a beautiful BMW brand new i5 electric car, which a new development is going to be gaming. So we're going to be discovering that. Yeah, and BMW have been continuing to work with emerging talent, such as Sarah, who we're going to meet today, um, Atelier Fattori Francini, the curator, but also Loyal Kana and upcoming female DJs such as K-Ra. And today we're focusing on BMW Open Work. We'll be speaking with the artist to hear more about her work, BMW for more history about the collaboration, and of course, the project's curator. Um, you can see a video online, which is incredible. So we would like to welcome to Talkart, all the way from Marseille, in a car, Sarah Sadiq. We are now with Sarah, the incredible artist, here in the car with the game that she has designed, La Pochion A, um, which is a beautiful three kind of um, different uh, levels, like games that you can play all in a sequence. And the whole car currently has lit up, hasn't it, Russ? It has lit up and it also feels like a relaxation chamber. This music is so calming. It's beautiful. It so tell us about this music, Sarah. Is this your own music that you've made or have you taken this from somewhere sampled no, it? No, it's not. I have I work with some someone called Hugo Toledano since like three years and a half now, who does all the music, so the score, the music, the sound design on all the projects that I make. On everything you've on everything. On. Right. Sometimes I'm I send you I send him some references. Yeah. Of like what I want. But for this specific project, he had like I didn't have had any references, and I let him do whatever he thought was the best for the project. And so he sent me this like this music and all the the music in the film, and he was like, "Okay, this is like a personal suggestion. Tell me what you think about it." Yeah. And I put my headphone and listened to all of it, and I was like, "That's it. Like <laughs> I don't have anything to say." Like. I'm keeping this, do the mix, and we we good to go, you know? That must mean you have a really good relationship with each other, that you can understand what yeah. each other needs. He's not he's not giving you something you're like, absolutely no. not. No. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. But I think it's what's cool with, like, long-term rela uh, collaboration, relationship, you know? So, yeah, now, like, he know what I like, what I want. He knows my work. Like is one of the few that really knows, my, understand and know my work, mm. and so it's pretty like super easy and simple to work with him. That's brilliant. Well, this, so this sort of technology that we're seeing now, this is I've heard like one of the well, we know one of the first times that this is going to appear in this new BMW i5. How did they come to you for this project, and how long did you have to design a video game? Attilia invited me to be to be part of BMW Open Work. Uh, 2023, <laughs> I said it in French. And we had a lot of calls with BMW teams, like from different de departments. Mm -hmm. But the one that catch my eyes, if you want, is the gaming team. Because. Oh, so you had, they, they said, who do you want to work with? Yeah, oh, exactly. Wow. There was different, like, it was the innovation lab department, but within this department, there are different, like, engineers. Mm -hmm. And so for the first call, I had like a little meeting with the gaming team. And since gaming has a huge part in my work, like I was like, okay, I want to make a game <laughs> for this project. 
I didn't know what game at the beginning, but I, I, that, like, the first idea was like, I'm going to do a video game. Uh, but obviously the, the game in the car is a demo, and the full game is in the film. But it was super important for me to, to have like uh, a playable video game for yeah. the car. Yeah. Yeah. And how long did they give you to create a video game? It's been a long time. Let me. We started the discussion uh, beginning of July because I had other projects before, so I couldn't like start. But the video game took, I think, one month and a half for me to design. Is that a normal time to design a video game? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, oh, you've never done a video game before? I've or? done one. Oh, oh, the chairs are adjusting. We're hearing that. <laughs> Such an interactive car. It's so cool. But essentially, you designed the video game. I so all the colours, all exactly. the characters, all the things. Yeah, and then so they help to actually facilitate the making of it, Russ. Exactly. Right, right. So I designed the video game. Uh, for the character, it's a character inspired by my husband, which is the lead actor in the film. I work with uh, with a studio called Slam Creation, which is a studio that created an avatar of the most famous French rapper, Jules. And so I was like, I want them to make an avatar for my project. The most famous French what? Rapper. Rapper. Oh, Jules. okay, cool. So yeah. I was super inspired by rap music. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. French rap, yes. Exactly. Totally. And so this is the studio that created the avatar but I choose like the styling and everything. And for the game, I created like the world, the maps, uh, everything. But so for the film, I didn't need programming because I shoot within the game engine. But for the demo game that is in the car, I work with Pierre Tardif who programmed my video game. And the title, La Potion Air, why is the word potion important to you? The word potion is important for me because alors, I will start since the beginning. With all our discussion with BMW, there was this thing about like the moods of the driver and I don't my know. Modes, yeah, yeah, for my mods. Mm. And I listen to a lot of like French rap music. And at some point I listen, I like this um, this sentence in, in the OG music, like the the music is called OG by Nino. He says it's the mood la potion est. He says it in French. So, c'est le mood, la potion est. And so, obviously, I was like, that's the sentence for the project. Yeah, yeah. And I kept la potion est because la potion, again, in French rap, it's used a lot. It's an alcoholic drink, but that's not what interested me in it. It's how they say that that's something magical that yeah. healed them. And that's what I wanted to take regarding the project which is about healing yourself and also there's the fantasy element I exactly guess. yeah like a potion, magical, magical fantasy. potion fantasy yeah. and this is like a fantasy world yeah so this avatar you talked about is your husband this is your husband's a great muse of yours yeah right mm. and your brother yeah and the, these two uh okay it's going off again game paused <laughs> um <laughs> this is technology guys so your brother and your and your yeah. husband are huge muses for you when yeah. it comes to um your work mm. and they become avatars that tell us that guide us as the audience yeah. into the storytelling you're mm -hmm. giving us i will say that my husband who is an actor Great. he's my muse and my actor so he's always in front of the camera my little brother i will never shoot him he will never be in my film but he's an inspiration when i'm writing my project so he's like more like uh, on the other side of the camera, if you will. Yeah. So yeah, there is one like visible and one invisible, but they both act the same way in how they inspired me. Wow. For all my work. Yeah. What's it like working with your husband on projects? Amazing. <laughs> is it? It's amazing. Tell me why. Why is it amazing? Uh, we do a lot of pro like all the projects that that we are doing together. I think I will not be able to do it with other people because he understand me in a way that sometimes I don't need to talk. Mm. And I am, I have so much um, trust in him that I just like wreck with the camera. I give him like, okay, I want this, 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 and I let him go. And every time like the first like um, shot is what I wanted. And so it's super, so, so easy, super fast. And I don't know, it's just like, 
super, I don't know how to say it in English, but like... Smooth. Smooth, yeah. And, and you write the scripts? I would write the scripts, yeah. And then he gives you edit notes every now and then? So there's two parts. There's the, a scripted part, yeah. which is my, uh, like my writing. Yeah. But <clears throat> I gather like a lot of different um, words and sentences from maybe something that he told me one time or for French rap quotes. And then, so this is the scripted part. Yeah. For example, the scripted part in the project and in the game or everything that is like uh, like the character words, Says, you know, yeah. with when the, the text comes up. Yeah, for the exactly. Yes. <clears throat> like uh, in vis visual novel game, and everything that he say like when he's like in webcam is non-scripted. And for this, I just say, you're gonna play the video game. You're a, stream, a Twitch streamer and just go on. But I don't script what he says. Like really, like the documentary part, if you will. More improvisation. Yeah, great. Yeah. And we're looking at your husband when we see this. This is yeah. this very handsome man that's yeah, leading us through this world. Is it actually husband. his name as well? Because the, no, the, the avatar has a name yeah. called Neraji. His name is Emil Samori Fofana, and uh -huh. the name of the avatar, which is something that I really like to do uh, in like imagine name, yeah. come from the word energy. Because the BMW ah, yeah. was all about the 100% electric car. Yes, <laughs> so cool. And and the thing I've loved is that um, you're looking into kind of psychology and in particular the kind of like alienation perhaps of young men in, in, in the world right now. And you're kind of like got this huge empathy within the work. And I was playing it earlier on each platform and it seems to start in quite an anxious um, world. And then on, on each level that you go to through the three levels, it gets calmer and calmer and karma and like almost like blissfully kind of peaceful and meditative and it's kind of a wonderful you really feel it like um almost like light or something shining onto mm -hmm. you you know can you talk a bit about this interest in interrogating male psychology um so regarding the thing that you say that's really what i wanted is how you go out of a super negative emotion such as anxiety mm. to arrive at the serenity. So I'm super grateful that you like... Adjusting the steering oh. wheel enables its position to be... You've active. got to adjust the steering wheel now. Mm, <laughs> I don't know what to do. It <laughs> happens all the, the time. Just touch the steering wheel, adjust it. Actually, this thing about like um, all the those steps and all those trials that they have to go through in my project, which are uh, physical and mental. Yes. Or actually, their real life, like they are people that have all day in their life they have to go through like trial and test struggles struggles and i want to use my my fiction stories or my work to talk about this but in a different way if you will because that's their real life like they they have to go through this and this and this and this in order to attain a goal of being like the best version of themselves in their own eyes And so in my work, I really want to tackle also these this, this things of what is the person you want to be like when you emancipate from like the society gaze and how you achieve this. And mm. so, yeah, I think that, and also like, I'm super inspired by manga and anime narration. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think like the trial type of narration, it's super interesting because it allows to show really in-depth everything that a character go through and when I think about, uh, back about on my project there is always some kind of trial and I think it's super it's a way to also enlighten what is transformed you know what I mean mm. Mm, so yeah so if yeah, they're based on real people it's, it's quite they're always quite, yeah. always so they're, yeah, it's always. quite moving and there's something about the fact that we would say digital and then the real world mm -hmm. but you know in the world we live in now Digital is the real world, yeah. you know, so actually what you're showing us is almost like documentary mm -hmm. in some ways, but through your medium, through your yeah. storytelling. Exactly. Great. <laughs> you, you say it. <laughs> yeah, but also it's that theme of transformation, I think. But you were talking about how in the actual game itself yeah. that you wanted a relief from anxiety. Yeah. And how did you create that in designing the game? Hmm. So at the beginning, if I have to go into the, this process, I created so this map with like this forest, this meadow. I don't know how to pronounce it. Is it meadow? Meadow. Meadow. Oh, yeah. meadows. Yeah. Meadow. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, flowers are a thing. Yeah, exactly. In the game. Like yeah. a champ. So meadow, <laughs> and then the the beach, the beach, and I didn't felt like with like when I was playing within this map, 
it wasn't intense enough. Like for me, I didn't feel like the the. So just to to talk about this, each map represents an emotion. So the first one is like a forest, which is anxiety. The second one is meadow, meadow, which is yeah. melancholy, and then there's the beach, which is serenity. And at the beginning. I felt like adjusting the lumbar support relieves the pressure. On you need the that. It's telling you. You're saying your lumbar isn't strong enough. The car is communicating with us. It's that he wants to be on tour car. <laughs> uh, and so yeah, and so I wanted to walk more in depth of this world. So for the first one, uh, night vision was the thing, and also this POV kind of like binoculars POV, mm. where you feel like everyone is looking at you when you feel mm. anxiety. It was super important for me, like the POV, the night vision. It for me, I think, and I hope that it creates and amplifies this anxiety emotion. Mm. The meadow with all the leaves that are like falling and all like this river and this waterfall, but still this like blue bright sky. Again, I wanted to walk on this map, and I felt is like also melancholy, as he said, it's like sadness and daydreaming. And I, I think that this map represented in the best way because you have all these leaves that are falling with the wind, the water that is flowing, and it, there is something like I don't know how to say it, like melancholy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then again uh, on the beach uh, map I had this sunset um, weather mm. which again helped me amplify this thing about serenity and the film and also with this under underwater sequence mm. and again I think that there is on most of my project there is always an underwater sequence and I don't know why it's always a time where, where the, my character feels the best Every time, the most successful, you think, or feel the, the in themselves more in themselves. And I think it comes from the fact that I'm living in Marseille, and there's so all these guys that are like that they spend all the time like at the beach, and there's something super soothing about the fact of just being in water and let, letting you flow, you know. Mm. And so this like underwater, where the character feels the more like sources. S O O T H. Soothing. 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 Soothing water. Yeah, no, yeah. amazing. Yes. Soothing water, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. If you were looking, if you was, this was a study on the human condition, which I feel like your work mm -hmm. absolutely is, there's a there's a strong sense of loneliness and solitude that goes through yeah. the male characters in your projects. Mm -hmm. And that's something that you feel is current in emotional state that most men are in. I think so. I don't know if all men, but the men I work with always have this loneliness within them and I also think that there is this thing in maybe only in France I don't know but in France like they always categorized as a group so they never like they are never see as an individual it's always this group of men from this spe spe specific uh, neighborhood from this specific culture from this specific, like it's always a group 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 and never like who they are like only when they are with themselves you know what i mean and so for my work i really want to just focus on the individual and there's always one character who is alone and this is the best place where I can do what I like to do, which is writing story for them, you know? Yeah. Like... Give them agency. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what happened when... Let them be seen and heard, whereas you feel exactly. like in society you're saying they're grouped together, whereas you're bringing the individual out exactly, like, and showing their personality mm, and character. The, the other thing is the car itself. Like, the My Modes thing is all about the individual's emotional state that yeah. day when you get in the car as a driver. And I find that such a kind of close connection. What was it like when you actually met the My Modes team? Like, the designers, all these kind of great minds from yeah. behind the scenes at BMW. Actually, it was super great to have access to this and to this and to understand more how they see, um, like how they analyze the driver and its moods mm. and what they create, what the BMW team creates to accompany mm. the mood of the driver. Mm. And also the thing that um, struck me, but it's obviously it's it's a brand. You know what I mean? It's a company. It was that all the moods are never negative oh, yeah. and so I really wanted in this work to bring more n not negative I don't like this word but 
real like real, real life like, stuff that like, people go through exactly yeah. so anxiety and melancholy like the sadness you know this or also maybe a driver but they inspire spinning. you them them moods inspire yeah. you that's really fascinating yeah. i wanted to expand the modes you know what i mean <laughs> it also feels like a pursuit though to try and get from that sad place through yeah. art yeah. and through games um through escapism in a sense mm-hmm. to to improve your experience of the world and the way you're interacting with the world like there's a kind of like journey that happens in your yeah. work uh yeah exactly but i was just remembering about this escaping I wanted to do something in that is more visible in the in the film because this is the end of the film is that at the end the the avatar comes like appears in front of the press start uh, screen mm. so it's a bit like he escaped the game mm. to talk to the real life uh, person you know <laughs> and so like a lot of gamers like me escape into like virtu- virtual worlds yes. and in this film it's the like the virtual character that escape from the virtual world to uh, meet the real world and the real person wow. they're inspired too how do you feel about people being in the BMW i5 and playing your game it's cool <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i don't I, i didn't see anyone because i i like i'm scared what people will say but uh, i think it's super cool i don't know it is super cool it's cool it's cool our friend emma dabry she's a writer um, yeah she came into the car yesterday and she told me how much she loved playing the game she oh, like, yeah? really enjoyed it yeah that's cool yeah so that's genuine feedback that i've heard <laughs> <laughs> okay well we should we should um Karen talking but um, I would just like to say I like the, the art and gaming crossover this is I, I can't think of any other artists that are using video games and contemporary art to tell their stories do you know of any others mm, there is some artists that work with video game yeah mm, but uh, hmm, like I saw some artwork with video game but I don't know there's always a thing where I don't feel any connection because what i miss with this type of artwork is how people don't put the humanity within it which is super weird because actually in video game there's a lot of like emotion humanity like this is a thing like the, all the character in most of the video game feel things experience things and you you attach to them you know like you feel like uh, you create a relationship with them you understand them like there's something that is being created and when the medium of video game is used in art sometimes this thing doesn't exist it's more like a it's it's more you're like a medium but it's not like everything that is part of the video game and i always try with my work to not just use the video game like as a tool yeah. but really like to tell real story within it yeah. and i don't know yeah give back humanity to like mm. a fake or 3d character you know Yeah. That's well, how you connect to it. I don't know. I so think, deep. I think you're a maverick. Sorry. So thank you. Do you <laughs> know, know that word maverick? No. Uh, <laughs> like just um, a lone star, just like a very <laughs> special shining example for something. I think it's it's been a total pleasure talking to you about this. Yeah. So we're now going to move um, because another part of this multifaceted artwork you've created um, is a film mm-hmm. on the street. Um, it's the first time ever that you've had a public artwork. Yeah. Um, but also Coco and BMW are doing this incredible sc- video screen. So it means everyone walking along the street can actually experience it and it's a development of the game that we've been playing right now. Mm-hmm. Um and just so everyone fully understands when you get in the car you can connect your mobile phone with a BMW QR code and then you can actually use your telephone as a controller for the game. Yeah. And if you're like charging your car or going, you know, you're driving on the motorway and you stop off and have food, yep. you can actually play the game like as you're in the car. And that's a new thing for the BMW i5. They come loaded with games and hopefully in the future they might even have artworks like these as part of that roster we will see yeah. it's not confirmed 100% so yet but fingers crossed from being the BMW open work artist 2023 yeah. it's very very cool so we'll go through now and see the film and then we're going to go into the exhibition part as well let's go cool. thank cool. you cool And now we are going to meet two people from the BMW team. We have the head of BMW Arts and Culture, Hedwig Solis Weinstein, and we also have product owner of entertainment for BMW, the gaming expert Rutger Bestervald. 
where are we meeting you guys today from, Hedwig? Hello, Rob. Hi, Raz. Hi, Hedwig. We love you. <laughs> we love you too, guys. <laughs> we are right now in Munich at the BMW headquarters. I mean, we have been speaking about this, how everything started 50 years ago. Yeah, look, BMW has been supporting the arts for 50 years. And in your headquarters, you have the most extraordinary paintings as well. They're giant, epic paintings by... Gerhard Richter. Wow. <laughs> How long have they yeah. been there in the collection? 50 years. And it started in 1973. And this is what we wanted to show you guys. And we can't wait. This is now an official invitation. We have been now collaborating for so many years, guys. And you really need to come over. So you just saw red over there. Look, it's blue. And I'm not going to show you yellow because I want you to come to Munich. We would <laughs> yeah, so always travel for yellow, Hedwig. So, so there we, are we, three we, giant parts of these paintings and they've recently been restored. And there's an incredible video on the BMW Group Culture and BMW UK um, platforms where you can actually see all the, the job of the renovation. They've been pristinely restored with, with the artist um, helping as well. It's very cool. So Hedwig... So we're talking about the BMW OpenWork. So for people listening, what is BMW OpenWork and why did you create this? So BMW OpenWork is our beautiful joint initiative with Freeze. And our, our vision was to bring together art, innovation, technology and design in a new and, and very yeah, innovative format, multi-platform format. And um, we invite once per year emerging artists to be in dialogue with our engineers, with our designers, with our experts here at BMW. Um, you know, creativity is key for, for them, for the engineers and designers, as it is also for artists. And it's all about driving that inventive spirit. And we have here today with us, fantastic Rutger, who has collaborated with Sarah Sadiq. Yeah, she was she was uh, key for the whole process together with the MyModes ex experts. Corina Exner, she cannot be here with us today. But yeah, please meet Rutger. <laughs> hey, Rutger. Well, it, well that, what a great introduction. Uh, do you feel nervous about that introduction? You've got a lot to live up to. <laughs> I got, yeah, I got a lot to live up to. But uh, pleasure to meet you guys and uh, great to be here. Pleasure to meet you too. So you are the gaming team product owner at BMW. What does that actually entail? Yeah, that means that I'm responsible for the development and um, and the continuous um, elaboration of, of gaming and of the portfolio in our vehicles. And also that I get to work with great artists and collaborate with different teams across the entire company, uh, like Hedwig, for instance. Oh, and then Sarah Sadiq, who's the artist. Exactly. Yes. So what was it like collaborating with Sarah Sadiq on this? It was really cool. I mean, it was the first time in my life that I directly uh, did a co-creation with an artist. So that was very, that was all very new and very exciting for me. But I really loved the process. I loved the way that she, she thought about it, uh, her take on, on things, her ideas. And um, I think we did really well. We had uh, limited time. But we made a great product and, and she came up with a beautiful idea for the game. I really liked uh, helping her to, to realize that. And it's really interesting because the 5 Series and the i5 have developed this gaming sort of platform within the car itself. So you can now, um, you know, while you're charging your car, while you're you're stopping off to get food, you can actually have a break and rest a bit. But while you're doing that, play a game. So you've actually developed like numerous games that will be fully loaded when you get the i5. Exactly. Uh, it was our need to, to add to the 5 Series as a new and innovative model. And we also wanted to do something something different here, uh, something we've never done before, which yeah. is why we 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 launched uh, we're launching the gaming platform with the five series. Is this the sort of thing that you will continue to develop? Will we see more and more games appearing? Exactly, that's our that's our goal to uh, continue to onboard as many cool games to this platform as we can, um, because it works really well and it's very well received by everyone who tries it in vehicles. 
I was really surprised how easy it was because sometimes I can be a bit of a technophobe and I got in the car with my iPhone and it was so simple. All you had to do was just photograph the um, QR, code, QR code and then it yeah. immediately connected my phone. And then suddenly there I was playing all three platforms of the game and it was an amazing journey. You go through all these different moods of healing and um, tranquility and all this kind of the whole car lit up in different colors. And I don't know, it felt really immersive, cool. Like it's the kind of thing that if I had that in my garden, I feel like I might even go out just to play imagine, the games in yeah, the imagine if you imagine if you was a kid and you yeah. could sit in a car and play a computer I game i mean this is like the, the our childhood dreams coming true here rutger is this your sort of dream as well <laughs> absolutely i mean to be fairly honest with you guys i i never imagined uh, a couple of years ago that i would be doing this now and i'm very very happy that i can just like you described perfectly it's really intuitive it works seamlessly and it's very, very well equipped for any kind of age or any kind of people. Yeah, and also um, the platform itself is called Air Console, and it's a gaming yeah. system which is part of BMW's commitment to human centricity in its design, which puts the driver like me and Russ at the forefront of, of the process, which I really like, that kind of tailoring the car. And emotions, Rob, no? Like also, this is what you describe. Also, Sarah embraced that so beautifully, the different modes that the car has. And what we also loved is um, we had Rutger also in dialogue with Corina, with the My Modes expert. And that was that was really fun, I think. No, Rutger? <laughs> it was. It was. Absolutely. Do you, do you think we could see more artist collaborations in the gaming world of BMW? Oh, I hope so. Really hope definitely so. after seeing fingers crossed after, after seeing this, <laughs> uh, there's nothing I would want more. Yeah. I also feel like there's a potential for crossing over with, because um, obviously BMW did Freeze Music last week with Loyal Karner and the year before it was Self Esteem um, and all, all these different musicians you've also supported. So I feel like there's so much potential for all of these worlds to connect through gaming, perhaps. Oh, I like that, Rob. Yeah. But for now, what a week, huh? It was really cool. Oh, it's been <laughs> the best. We have loved best. it. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much. Great to thank meet you, you Rutger, and thank you always, Hedwig. Thank oh, you, Hedwig. My pleasure. Thank you, Bye. And hoping Thanks to so see much. you soon in Munich, guys. You are invited. Yes. Coming, we are planning coming. that trip for sure. We love we're it. Packing, we we're packing our bags right now. <laughs> <laughs> we are now inside House of Coco, which is where the exhibition itself is taking place. And we are with the curator. Hi, Atelia. Hi, Atelia. Hi. So you've worked with uh, BMW Open Work. Well, we've worked together. This is our third time that we've been talking to you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the last year we had Nikita Gale. Year before that we had Madeline Hollander. Exactly. How comes you keep coming back to BMW and how comes we keep bumping into each other? <laughs> I would like to ask why they keep coming back to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> I feel absolutely honoured. Um, it is a journey that we started together in uh, 2017 when they asked me to think of a programme that could extend the intersection between their knowledge from a design and engineering perspective into the work of artists. And I somehow, in conversation with them and the Freeze team, devised the program. So as a support for artist development, giving access to the engineering and design skills of BMW, which are incredible and extended across very different fields. So year by year, We've been traveling together with the artists into the BMW world across very different departments, as you probably have learned by being supporting this project for the last three years. We really look at very different kind of technologies. How easy is it to, to, to combine technology like BMW with contemporary art? How to, is, that, is that a way that you think anyway when it comes to artists and artwork? I have to say... It's not always easy, but when I approach artists with a question of, hey, would you like to work or explore the BMW world? The answer is always yes. And often they already have a project in mind that been keeping there for a very long time until the occasion would present itself. What are you looking for in these artists? What sort of artists are you gravitating towards? So every year with BMW, there's a different department that generously gives us their time um, and the possibility of collaboration. So given this department, I look for practices that could 
really relate and take the most from it because it's not only a commission, so only artists, they only don't have the funding, but they really also have access to knowledge. And I'm questioning myself, who could benefit the most from having access to this knowledge? And, and this time it was really specifically interesting because I didn't even know there was a gaming team <laughs> at BMW. And because of the new i5 electric car, which is just launching now, when, when you buy the car, it actually comes with games loaded. But but the game that Sarah's created is an artwork and it's mm-hmm. such a beautiful combination of kind of different worlds coming together. And I love that interconnectedness of creativity. That must have been something so exciting because you knew already that Sarah's practice involved gaming. Totally. I felt extremely excited because every year I also really want to bring the program into different directions and potentially experiment with different type of practices. And creating a game was definitely one of them. And when they they proposed the possibility of collaborating with the gaming team and the air console technology and also matching that with my modes, I was like, okay, I would love to bring forward a voice like Sarah's or a position that is somehow extending also the possibility of what the gaming in contemporary art can say, because I find her practice critical, but also sensitive at the same time. As the work is experimental to a certain, well, to a major extent, do you ever feel panicked in case it doesn't work <laughs> within the timeline? Because they're, they're really like, Pressure. They're, they're broad ideas and they're really... Um, what's the word uh, when you're very confident but also uh, no, brave? Rocking. They're just yeah. brave. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you ever panic because you're kind of helming this that it, that it might not work out? I would say on a daily basis <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> because we have a very, very tight timeline to develop the project from an artistic perspective, not only to come up with an idea, but then there's also all the research phase that comes into a tons of conversation with the BMW specialist and finding the right people to realize your idea is not always immediate because they are engineers and they, they work within the car industry. So they they not always use to respond directly to artistic yeah. ideas, which often are very um, against logic for them. That's really like that. Uh, so yes, we panic collectively, but I have to say that every year uh, the the goals are achieved and uh, the, the projects are extremely ambitious almost every year. More this, ambitious. This one to me feels the most ambitious in a way because That's it's, the word, it's, ambitious. it's, it's yeah. left, the, it's left <laughs> the, the site of Freeze where they used to be the lounge, but now they've gone into London yeah. and they're kind of taking the art to the people, which I know really appealed to Sarah, um, this idea of accessibility, which is also something that's important to Russell and myself in Talk yeah. Art. Um, what's that been like? Because there are three parts. We were just in the car, mm-hmm. but there's also the incredible film that yeah. screens on the street. And I actually saw or like eight-year-old kids or something yeah. earlier standing on the street watching it yeah. and it's just so engaging to like have this computer avatar you know communicating with the public on Camden High Street which is a place we all grew up coming to but gigs the, but in. this thing with kids watching video games being played by other kids playing video games yeah. is this yeah. phenomenon which I never understand but it's a whole thing so you saying that these kids are just watching this video game that's yeah. like I know it reminds me it's when, so when we were like kids like you, we would go and play like Street Fighter or Dungeons and Dragons yeah. down the local shop and you would there would be about eight of us curled around the screen watching the other kid play and when they died you were able to jump on and put your pound coin Yeah, it's in. like a group experience. You have like solidarity for the other players. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's like this joint, it's like a big brain almost globally. It's totally. like a community of people, yeah. I think on, on one side also what's in, extremely interesting about uh, Sarah's work is that she takes on the cinematicity of the gaming experience right. uh, and uh, connects it to writing and narratives uh, so really the, the film might use uh, computer generated scenarios and characters but then they really have the power of uh, poetry in cinema mm. um, and when understanding that the works were were parallel so there's a game and this interactive and it's meant to be only played in the car so also thinking of the car as an exhibition venue but then there is a film and this film has less agency for the player so you can't interact uh, and you can sit and watch. It was so key to open that up uh, to the borough of Cotton and to the passersby, not only for people that could come inside Coco or the yeah. freeze yeah. public as in the past, but really integrating um, the work 
and what he says, uh, because he talks about emotional states and in particular, like how maybe male are not always able to express correctly yeah. these emotional states to maybe a community that here might potentially uh, take inspiration from this kind of message. So this was extremely important and I can't hide that it was also a, a challenge uh, to, to make it happen physically, the logistics of it. Once mm. you enter in conversation with a council and put anything on the outside, it's different than the, what, the freedom that you have at the fair, for example. Mm. How hands-on are you then from the moment of its genesis? You're based in Vienna, Sarah's in France. <laughs> what is that like? you know, working dis with distance, yeah. how, how hands-on do you have to be? There's a lot of calls on, <laughs> on Zoom that happen almost <laughs> weekly. Uh, we came together for, I came at least for two side visits, really tried to respond and to imagine what could work at best in relationship to the commission at large and to Sarah's practice. And then I'm kind of like the the bodyguard of the artist. Uh, I su <laughs> support them and, and make sure that their work can have the space to develop itself mm. um, freely because there's a lot of ideas and, and uh, stakeholders involved uh, in a commission like this. So it's really important that the artistic freedom is maintained and, and that Sarah could make a work that she was very happy with. And she confirmed that she was. <laughs> I mean, we are too. As, an, as a viewer and a player of the game, I found it incredibly emotional, actually. And I'm really interested in this idea. I mean, we can chat to Sarah now as well, because she's here as well with us. And um, I was really struck by this idea that you wanted to focus on the male experience, because it's true. It's something that doesn't always get looked at or discussed and like you say men are sometimes not as good not always because some people like me are very overly emotional yeah. <laughs> we, don't, we um, don't communicate with yeah. each other as much and there's a lot there's you know men's men's mental health is a real big thing that people men need to talk more yeah, yeah. it's this thing about being told to man up or being told mm -hmm. to like you you have to be the brave you have to be the leader you have to you can't you're not meant to be emotional. Yeah. But also there's this idea that society vilifies the male as well, especially, you know, teenage boys yeah. or early 20s. Like they become, like you were saying earlier in the car, you said they become like a group, like this kind of big, this big, like scary cloud or something. Or you know what I mean? Youth. Yeah, or just, just like, youth. Yeah. Yeah. We used to call them in England, they got called hoodies. And actually on this street in Camden, it's a really relevant location because yeah. that was a place where we were all teenagers in the 90s and people would be like, you know, you're all hoodies. You know, there's that sort of sense. Um, yeah, against, it's like the society against that group of men. But actually, these are like thinking, feeling human beings, you know, who are deeply sensitive and expressing themselves through gaming. So can we talk a bit about that and why that became a central focus for your practice? Yeah, uh, so actually it came like more like supernatural. So I was doing a workshop with a group of teenagers. So it, there was like four girls, four boys. And every time I, I'm doing a workshop, I always have a chit chat with them as a group. And then one, two, one, yeah. one, 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 yeah. one, yeah. one. And I realized during this one on one discussion that they were telling me so many things. And that I was the first person they were telling these things to. Oh, wow. And, and for all of them. Do you and feel that, a big responsibility in that moment? Mm, not really, because... Um, no, because I uh, was just there to listen to them, just to offer an ear they can talk to. Wow. Like I wasn't there to judge them. With them, I create a real relationship, like a friend, even sometimes like... Um, big sister relationship where I like I help them with like um, life things after the workshop and everything but just for this discussion I realized yeah they have no one in their life who they can go to to just confess and confide what they are feeling how they are thinking if they have any question for anything in their life you know and I was like okay that's super like I didn't feel a responsibility, but I was. It made me. It made me sad. Did it? Like uh, it was super natural. I was like, okay, I want to use my my work and my place to to create something, to create like a, a place, a safe place where they can say whatever they f they want, however they feel, and just express themselves in a like in, in a real safe space, you know. And I was just thinking about something, 
because some people told me at some point during like my work, enfin, regarding my work and everything, that I was showing the humanity. No, I was showing how human they was, they they were, and I was like, what the. F- You can swear. You can swear. What the hell? What the hell? I was like, I was like, that's why I'm doing my work. Because if you say that I'm showing that they are human, that's super problematic. Yes. Of course they are. Like, I'm just trying to like enlarge the representation of who they are, you know? I'm not creating something. I'm not bringing something new. I'm just letting them open themselves. Like, yes. Of course they are human. That's so yeah. weird. But there's so many people that told me this and obviously it anger me. Yeah. But I'm also like, that's why I'm doing this. But it's also amazing how art can unlock and release and liberate yeah. the individual. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I find it so exciting. I see it in Margate all the time now because there's lots of young artists who finally when they get seen, you know, just by one individual, it's not even by a big organization or anything famous or anything like that, but just someone believing in you mm-hmm. and how that that can give you the agency Spending just to, to walk recognizing, taller. Yeah. You know, and then you have more pride and then you make a more positive contribution to the world mm. you know because you're being cared for yourself yeah. and I find that in the work you've made though like the games there's this real sense of um, it's almost like a like a bubble that you could be inside somehow it's that that's world like building, really caring it? it's really yeah. like, world it feels building. like very caring yeah that's cool you yeah know, love I've yeah. got love highlighted here I feel like fundamentally the work <laughs> yeah. is about love yeah 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 always there's al- always love like uh, everywhere you know <laughs> so yeah it's, it's there's huge. love in this room yeah. Right now, Sarah, <laughs> love for you. You've described the work as as being, and I want to pronounce this right, Burkor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and, and all the work is a response or encapsulates this kind of analysis. What What is Burkor? So, okay, here we go. Here we go. So, this word isn't relevant right now, but I will start from the beginning. Why is it not relevant right now? I will tell you okay. everything. All right, here we go. <laughs> Sit we're well. Strapping, we're strapping ourselves <laughs> Sit in. well, super important. When I was in uh, art school, fine art school, I didn't know any other artist I felt a connection to. So, like, as another artist, I was able to say my teachers, like, okay, you know, teachers in my art school were like, where, do you, where, where, where are you between everything that exists? So you were like, okay, I'm feeling a connection with this artist, not this one because na na na, and I didn't had any artist I could like um, refer to. You know mm. what I mean? Who represented you? Exactly, or, or with who I felt my work was in, in the, the same, same world as, scene, yeah. or you discourse know, or whatever. Yeah. Exactly, and so I, so I didn't had any words, vocabulary, way to explain my work. And so I was like, I have to in, in, imagine something. And so I, create, I created the word burkor. So bur is a word, a slang word, that means uh, French people from Maghreb, from, uh, so Morocco, Tunisia, Algeria. North African area. Yeah, North African area. And, and I obviously had it core because like the essence of, because my work at the beginning were on the Maghrebi community diaspora. Uh, me. <laughs> and my people, if you want. And so I imagined this this word and I used it when I was like doing my, di- my diploma, explaining uh, what I was making, what was my practice and everything. And it stayed after I finished school and like French journalists used it. But more like I imagined this word because it was important at this time mm-hmm. to have something like that explain what I was making, you know? For you, yeah. Yeah. And not with the words of other people or how they will describe it. It was my world, my vision, you know, like mm. Was that upsetting not to have not to be able to find anyone at that point? It was. It was because I was in school. So I had to explain myself. Right. I had to yeah, I had just to explain myself. I couldn't do like whatever I want, even if that's f- that's what I did, you know. But during the diploma, I had like to 
to explain to them this is what I'm making this, yeah. you know were they frustrated with you at any point were they trying to push artists onto you like just choose this artist yeah, or, yeah I bet right. yeah because they're kind of like trying to tick boxes yeah it's like you know they, ha they have a script that they have as teachers they probably have yeah. to tick boxes and say they've done it but they had no but, one yeah but you know why sometimes I was like you were breaking the rules you're creating a you're new you're the maverick as I said you're creating yes. a new script <laughs> <laughs> you are the maverick we love you <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, but yeah, yeah. So the, this word was so used by French journalists in a way that wasn't what I wanted at the beginning. Mm. And so at one point I was like, don't use this word. And because, again, something that was like, I wanted this word because I knew, and I know maybe it sounds weird, but I knew that my my art will be something at some point, you know. I knew that I will become an artist, that my work will be shown in different countries. And it's not like something, ah, I'm super and, and anything. It's just that I work my mm, off. Yeah. And so um, <laughs> I was like, if journalists has to talk about my work, I want them to use this word and not their own because they will describe my work in uh, the worst way. Yeah. But then every journalist... Like it worked. What I wanted worked because they use this word a lot, this word a lot, but at some point it it wasn't what I wanted. Yeah, because so it I becomes just... like a limiting term. Exactly. And then that's all you are to exactly. them because that's exactly. what the media love. They love people to be fixed. Exactly. And we are not fixed. We're so many different things. But then you <laughs> found you did discover some artists. There's two artists, isn't there? In yeah. In particular. There is Miriam Benani, yeah. which I feel so close to. Mm. I didn't knew her when I was still in school, but I, like she, must, I actually she's my friend. I hope she will say the same. <laughs> like we know each other, but um, but same. I'm living in France, and so obviously there is some differences, you know. But I never found an artist that is doing what I'm doing. And why video? Because I, I, I've read that you said you don't know how to paint, so. <laughs> You've tried, is that something that you I mean I've never seen your paintings but I would I, I would say that you are an amazing painter because you're an artist I'm sure you express yourself in a very beautiful way but how did video come to you and why video is why is that the re way you tell stories mm. so when I was in art school like my first year I always said this but I, it wasn't like a choice like it was more like a tactic just to like I didn't know what why I was there I didn't want to become an artist. It wasn't even a toss or anything. But you ended up at Beaux-Arts. Oh, Beaux-Arts. After the second time, because, okay, you want my story? Yeah. <laughs> I come from a city uh, called Florac, which is near Bordeaux. It's a pretty small city. And after, I didn't want to go to, a night school, to the high school of the city because it's sad, but I was like, if I go to this high school, my life is over. So I I had to think about ways to Why though? Why would your life been over at that high school? Because it was just like I didn't like there wasn't any futures. You know what I mean? Oh, it's quite a hard school. Like yeah, it's not a hard school. It's more, yeah, yeah oh, it's like right, a okay. low class uh, high school. You know? Right, right. And I was like, if I go there, I I have no future. And so I had to find a way to go to a high school in the city center of Bordeaux. And the way I could do it was by choosing a high school that had like one option and it was the only high school that has it. And it was art. <laughs> like uh, art applied. I don't know. Graphic, it, like graphic, graphic design, design yeah, and everything. Yeah. So I was in graphic design and everything. I didn't know how to draw anything. I was so bad. Like I was a bad student. <laughs> but I had my diploma at the end. But then what do I do? Like... And so I was like, what are my options? And my options were like graphic design schools. So I applied to like, I think, 10 of them. All of them rejected me. <laughs> I was bad. <laughs> and then. <laughs> so maybe you can't paint. Yeah. <laughs> I can't paint. I can't draw. I, I, so I, when I was in fine art, like I, I'm doing like jump back to the future. When I was in art school, I didn't know how to paint, neither to draw. But I was like, I want to do something. And there was like, we had some camera that we could rent, you know. And I was like, okay, let's try. So I rent a camera, went on YouTube, and it was like, how to use the Canon, na, na, na. Oh, you learned from YouTube? <laughs> Everything, yeah. Well, like lighting and... Everything. But at the beginning, so I was... you're definitely self-taught to a certain extent then. I think I, yeah. Amazing. Maverick. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get a tattoo of that now. <laughs> 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 yeah, so I 
think that's it. That's how I had a, a camera and I did films and it never stops. Yeah, but you, you had a desire to express yourself. And it's really interesting that, that um, determination you had. Like you knew you wanted uh, to express yourself and mm -hmm. to find a space to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. It's a really impressive sort of um, yeah, sense of self, I guess. How do you feel about people who are going, who are not necessarily seeing art, discovering your work through like the video on the street and through being in a car and seeing this video game art? That's cool. Yeah. Elliot, the screen was my idea. I don't know if I can say it because uh, that was my idea. <laughs> and it's your first public artwork? It's my, it's my first public artwork. And during the visit when we came to Coco and we went to the lounge and everything, I felt like, like I put myself in like someone in, from like in the street and I was like, that's a journey to go to the lounge. Yeah. And I was like, I want to make this work accessible. And so let's put it in the street. And so that was a choice, you know, to, to have this screen. If, even if there is no sound, the work is there in the street for everyone to look at, either it's for like three seconds or three minutes or the entire, just sit and look at it. Super important for me. And I don't know, you know, for this work is like, the form of it is like a Twitch live stream. So that's why when you say that you, you see like, um, boys looking at it it's what I wanted to like you watch a, a streamer play the game playing a game that's why I do all day <laughs> sometimes I, I just listen to it sometimes I just watch the image watch the images and I wanted this moment where everyone can escape from what they are doing at the moment either it's by entering the car coming in the lounge or just walking down the street it's interesting as well because it's on the corner, the kind of junction where Mornington Crescent Station is. And a lot of people actually have their lunch or their breakfast sat out around on that kind of piazza bit. And I never actually recognised that before, but I noticed it because they were watching your film. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they're, they're, they're sat on these kind of concrete bollards and like, I'm not even sure if they're proper like benches, but they're all sat there having their lunch from like the local supermarket or whatever. It's really interesting. So it's kind of um, very engaging for people, I think. Yeah. Before we get into our final questions, I would love to know about Melissa Lacoste. <laughs> Do you know that? I want to know all about Melissa Lacoste. <laughs> Can we talk about that? I don't know this one. What is this? It's controversial. <laughs> <laughs> can we? Yes, we can. Uh, let me just, Put the uh, microphone. Uh, yeah. Yes, we can. <laughs> Melissa, <laughs> Melissa Lacoste. <laughs> she's my alter ego from for when I was when I was, sorry, I'm like, blah, 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 because I'm a bit uh, embarrassed. <laughs> Melissa Lacoste was a project that I created when I was in art school. A super like secret project because no one in art school except my, my friends know about this. No, but her, she's my alter ego and she's like a, an R&B singer. And so when I was in art school, the first thing that I did was like self-portrait video, photo and everything. I, it was all about me, my identity and who I was and who I wanted to be. And so I created this alter ego of like a rap R&B French singer. And the project was releasing an album, doing a tour. And that was the end of Melissa Lacoste. And that's what I did. I don't know how... It worked. When I think about it, I'm like, how? So I wrote like, uh, I don't know, 12 songs. I released an album. People bought it and people invited me to do like concert and show like in Berlin. And I don't know why. <laughs> did you do it? But yeah, yeah, I did it. I had a, an European tour. I went to Rotterdam twice, Amsterdam, Berlin, another like a festival in Germany I don't know how to pronounce it Il de Shame Il de Shame I don't know the I don't know, yeah. village Switzerland third, three times she's Melissa Lacoste is international she is can Global we bring superstar. can we bring but her she's back dead. no she's dead she's dead she's dead she's dead rest in peace yeah um, but actually but <laughs> you she... can bring her back I, you know what I want Melissa Lacoste back I tried to because I was contacted by Universal Music yeah but it was already the end and I was like mm, maybe I can have like a lot of money and I, I was like okay let's write a new song okay let's write a new song and I couldn't write a song oh, wow maybe one day she'll rise from the ashes she'll transform 
I said this way to, to my, yeah, my music composer. I said it to Phoenix him. Phoenix Lacoste. <laughs> I was yeah. like, Melissa has to, to rebirth and to, to sing on the music that you I making. think after this podcast, people are going to want to be hearing more from but Melissa Lacoste. I was, talking, I was talking to Hedwig this morning and she said that partly why they chose Freeze Music this year, because each year with Freeze Music, they try and have different musicians. And this year they chose um, Mercury uh, nominee uh, Loyal Kana. And that was um, inspired by you because you love rap music. And he's obviously someone who doesn't, you can't even just describe him as rap music because he's he's kind of jazz and like contemporary and all kinds of classical influences. He's just extraordinarily undefinable, which is great, um, which I know you would like as well. But um, how important is rap music to you? And I, I think it's a big influence. Yeah, super important. I don't know what else to say. It's for my, like, since I was a child, it's like my whole life. Super important. And, and is there a scene in Marseille? Yeah, of, it is. Yeah, there is. Can you one. talk about Marseille as like an art and music? I scene? can. Jules G U L. <laughs> stream Jewel. him. Stream him. Yeah, he's the biggest star in France. He's the most listened to. And the thing is that so he's from Marseille, and at his beginning, everyone was not everyone, but they they were so many haters, laughing at him, because he he made something super new. And now he is the the most famous one ever in France. And he's laughing at them. Yeah, yeah. and is is like he's amazing. I I don't. And in my my writing, there's a lot of quotes mm. from French rap, and yeah, it's like super huge. Cool. Jules, best cool. one. So we ask uh, every guest, and we'll ask both of you. We go to both of you, Atelier and Sarah. Uh, three questions. The talk up. Trilogy. The first one is, if you could do an art heist, you could have any work of art in the world for yourself, what would it be and why? Oof, that's a really hard one. Mm. Do you have it? I, because I want many, many, many works. <laughs> uh, so I always think about it and then I can decide. This is like I'm a Libra, that's part of my character, <laughs> being very indecisive. <laughs> but I just went to uh, the Lutz Bakker show yeah. at Raven Row. And there's a gorgeous installation on uh, the bottom floor. And it's just videos of New York skyline reflected on Perspex, fragmented throughout the room with really, really, really like mesmeric sound. Wow. I would love to have that. Wow. <laughs> that sounds really calming as well. Yeah. Wow. So you're you're probably seeing work all the time, and I, I guess next time we talk to you, be what That's your exactly art high school change every time. There's exactly. not like a one iconic work, which is great because yeah, yeah. that means that you're constantly curious. Completely, I look at art. I wouldn't say twenty four seven, but at least three to four days uh, I'm a with week. You there. Yeah. I love that one. It's really It's very good, Sarah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't look at all. A duet with Jewel. But I, I have a husband. I will not say I want Jewel in my house. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't have a husband, would you want no, Jewel in your house? No, but for real, like if I have to think uh, to think about a real like artwork, I don't have any. Like to be honest, I know he's inspired by Ryan Tricartin, his video work. Mm -hmm. Is it? Would you like a work of his or to collaborate with him and Lizzie Fitch or? I love the work. Like they were like my the the first thing that I that catch my eyes yeah. when I was in fine art school was the video I was like oh that's this amazing. was like fifteen years ago wasn't it yeah crazy and no but uh, no I want to collaborate with Jula I want to make like one of like his music videos yeah well you know what if you've you know put, someone you've put it out into the world now yeah this is going to travel to like lots of millions of people and mm. we will reach out to Jewel yeah. cool you know when I was growing up I learned about MC Solar. Um, and when I was like 14 years old, I used to listen to it all the time. So like I, I had a kind of obsession with French music for a long time. And there's an electronic musician called Avril who won the pre-Constantine and Camille, like all these kind of French uh, vocal uh, singers. But MC Solar, I mean, he's the OG. And forever. Celine Dion. I love, and Celine Dion. I've always loved Celine Dion. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh I love God. Celine. What is your favourite colour? I would say black, mm -hmm. but sometimes pink sometimes green but i will say black i always wore black but it depends i thought you were going to say like slime green <laughs> no, <laughs> which is a bit like the color yeah in the car. like neon green i yeah. always go back to neon green but only in my video like it's um, like zombie green yeah i don't yeah. like like i will not wear it or anything mm. right 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 Tilia? yellow oh since i'm a kid 
Really? Always yellow. It's Wanted to have so, a Atelier the sunshine exactly. sound. It's also the colour of madness, Atelier. So. <laughs> Very welcome in my life. <laughs> I own both places. Very strongly. <laughs> yes, I really wanted to have a bedroom fully yellow, and my mom pretended that I would get a yellow bedroom, but I never got it. Was it? it was very boringly white. <laughs> was it Matisse who had a yellow kitchen? Van Gogh. Yeah. Or yeah. somebody. Yeah, Matisse, I yeah. think, in France. Yeah. He's got a yeah. yellow kitchen. Yeah, yeah. Um, And what is the best advice you've ever received in terms of your art? Or if you haven't had any, um, what is, or for, for you curating it, Alia, but um, what advice would you give? I received, I used to assist a curator in my early days of university here in London. And he told me that every time you make a mistake, so when things fail, that's actually what you should treasure because that's the moment you learn and you can do it better and really look at it and hold it super strongly uh, because there's a learning lesson when everything goes super smooth. You don't look back. And I thought it was a really good piece of advice that I kept going back to. And it's right. Because we, we fail and it's normal and we shouldn't hide that. And it's actually, creative people especially. Yeah. Be grateful for that moment because you can just Im- improve yourself. Well, you're ex- uh, we're experimenting, aren't we? Taking risks as we do yeah. every year with projects you're exactly, working on. And exactly. every time artists yeah. are committing to an artwork, it yeah. is, especially of the scale that Sarah's working at, it's a risk, isn't it? Completely. So, yes. Best advice you've ever received, Sarah? Mine was learn to say no. Oof. Yeah, super good. I was thinking about it. I was like, maybe I will. I will say, when you're in art school, don't listen always to teachers and don't let let them like take you away from what you really um, feel like, from what you really believe in. But then I was like, okay, but no, the thing is learn to how to say no, like say no. I'm still learning it. I'm still not able to say no when, even when I feel it in my guts. But yeah, I think learning to say no is super important for your health, mental health. Mm, definitely. Great. Well, thank you for saying yes to talk up. Yes. Thank We're you. very grateful. We're big admirers of your work. And um, yeah. And you've said is... no to Melissa Lacoste, so <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, for everyone listening, we're going to be posting images of all these uh, different artworks that have been created here in, in London town. And uh, are you on Instagram? Yeah, I am. So people can follow you. We're going to at you. It's mm-hmm. not, what is it? It's not Lacoste. It's Sarah. <laughs> Stop it with it. Sarah Sadik official. Sarah Sadik official. Yeah. And Atelier, are you on Instagram? Yes. And it's Atelier FF. Perfect. And um, also you can go to at BMW Group Culture and at BMW UK. And a big thank you to Hedwig, James, the whole team at yes. BMW Group mm-hmm. Culture in Munich and London and we everywhere globally. Yes. Um, because they've literally spent more than 50 years supporting the arts. And the thing that we love about working with them is they really are championing not just emerging artists, but artists that need support to create artworks that aren't a painting hanging on the wall, that are um, beyond its sort of a experience innovative. and innovation and technology mm. and ideas that actually will make an impact in people's lives. So thank you so much to BMW. And um, it's been a crazy freeze week. I it's loved it so much. Week. Yes. So, so we'll be back very soon. It. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Bye. Bye. Bye, Sarah. Bye. 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 <laughs> You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamond and Russell Tovey. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in today's episode with music by Jack Northover. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening.